All right, we'll take your Bibles and turn to John chapter 11. John chapter 11. Mothers, we are thankful for you. And if you don't have a bulletin today and you'd like one, there's notes on the bulletins for you to complete the fill-ins. I'm going to try to read as quickly as possible and then get right to the notes because there's some very important things in this last part of Scripture. It's very difficult to find commentary on this part of Scripture because it seems like it's just an extra. Like it's just a fill-in. Uh, you should know that. We're going back through the Meet Jesus series. We're t- the sermon title today is All the Children of the World. Y'all remember singing the songs? Right? Without mothers, we don't have children. But specifically in this case, it's talking about God the Father. That God had a plan for all of his children and people that would be born, have an opportunity to go to heaven when they die. So this is an exciting passage of scripture, and it's left out for so many commentaries. Look it up for yourself. Try to do some research on this scripture. There's some information out there, but it's hard to find. So let's read together. Let's jump right into the scripture. We're going to back up and put it in reverse just a little bit from last week, beginning in verse 41. And i got to tell you, my voice is getting better. I went to a, uh, my niece's uh, soccer game last night. Wade Hampton lost to J.L. Mann. I hate to say that in overtime and penalty kicks, whatever that is in soccer. It's, it's ruthless. But anyway, they lost, and I was yelling. And it was really nice. I missed the exhilaration of yelling at the referees. Haven't been in a, my kids have been out of sports for some long some time, but it was actually good for my lungs. I actually can breathe better today. Uh, so I'm thankful to those terrible referees last night uh, that, that made bad calls, helped my lungs this morning. So, uh, uh, but if I run out of voice, it's because I've been struggling with breathing since COVID, since July of last year. I don't know if you notice. Y'all might hear me breathing. Is that extra? I got to lose some weight too. My doctor's on me about losing weight, but it's from this whatever I had in COVID, and it's tough to breathe. So um, last night was actually good for me. So bad referees are good for COVID recovery, just for the record. Put that in your notes. Let's read together in John chapter 11. As, as we look and see, we know you guys have read the story or you've seen it before. You've heard it in children's church. And then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And I want you to focus that Jesus spoke to the Father before he spoke to the dead man. All right? He didn't speak here on earth first. He went straight to heaven first, and then he speaks here on earth. In verse 42, and he said, I know that you always hear me, but because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. Now, when he had said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he who had died came out bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to to them, loose him and let him go. And then you would think it would say, and all of Jerusalem celebrated with him, right? That's how we would think it would go. But if you've been the Catalyst this morning, you know the different story, if you know the scripture. Verse 45, then many of the Jews who had come to Mary and had seen the things Jesus did, believed in him. That's, they believed in Jesus. But some of them went away to the Pharisees and told them the things Jesus did. Then the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered a council and said, what shall we do? For this man works many signs, or many attesting signs, meaning there's a miracle. He says he's done these miracles, and we can see that there's been a dead man who has come back to life. They've seen the blind see. They've seen the dead raised. They've seen the deaf hear. They've seen the mute now speak. If we let him alone, verse 48, like this, everyone will believe in him, and the Romans will come and take away both our place and nation. And one of them, Caiaphas, being high priest that year, said to them, You know nothing at all, nor do you consider that it is expedient for us 
that one man should die for the people and not that the whole nation should perish. Now this he did not say on his own authority, but being the high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the nation. That's the nation of Jerusalem, that's the, 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 of Israel. And not for that nation only, but also that he would gather together in one, who is it? What does your Bible say? The children of God who were scattered abroad. Then from that day on, they plotted to put him to death. Therefore, Jesus no longer walked openly among the Jews, but went from there into the country near the wilderness to a city called, we say, Ephraim, and there remained with his disciples. And the Passover of Jews was near, and many went from the country up to Jerusalem before the Passover to purify themselves. Then they sought Jesus and spoke among themselves, and they stood in the temple. What do you think? that he will not come to the feast? Now both the chief priest and the Pharisees had given a command that if anyone knew where he was, he should report it that they might seize him. You're going to see today in the word that so many people are still living the same way. They live with the truth, can't ignore the truth, can't get around the truth, but they choose to reject the truth because they like it their way. They're the Burger King generation is what I call it. Let's pray together as we begin. Father God, thank you for your word as we go through your notes today. Uh, Lord, as we understand uh, through your word today, as we fill in the notes, Lord, don't let it just be a, an academic drill that we would write in words. But Father, let it be a change of heart that you might soften our hearts of stone in this generation today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want you to see that God, if you go back and we preach through Genesis, that God is our creator and, and God is our sustainer. God is the giver of life. And we know that in the news, obviously, the Supreme Court leaks. It, it falls right into the day, does it not? The leak from the Supreme Court. And activists all over the country said they're going to they're gonna interrupt church services this Sunday on Mother's Day to actually speak out on abortion. How stupid can you possibly get? You're going to speak out on the day that, what makes a mother a mother? A child. And, and they, so they're going to actually use the very day that's dedicated to celebrating mothers and the Lord, the Lord's Day, to speak out against pro-choice or the right to kill a baby. Y'all know that's what it is. Life begins at conception. You don't have to like it. Uh, you're, you have to be very limited in your brain. I don't care how many degrees you have not to understand when life begins. Amen? Amen. Public school, the education started in the 70s and said that's just a tissue blob. How foolish can it be to actually, for a man or woman to believe that or to repeat that? And so I want you to know on this Mother's Day, the fools are still acting the foolish, right? But God's still on his throne. And God will use the things that people meant for evil for good just in the same situation here. They're going to take the very God himself, the very God-man, and plan his murder. They plot to murder him. So all the children of the world, I want you to see this. Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, just as we read. The miracle of God had the entire multitudes buzzing. God's plans were, were made evident. God was now showing what he was going to do. And you're going to see that even God uses evil or bad people to do his bidding. Y'all know this, right? And you have to think of this. When I first heard this, I had to process it because I was a new Christian as a young Christian. An old preacher said, hey, I want you to know something today. No matter what's going on in your life, the devil's still God's devil. He can't do anything without his permission. Everything that he does, God knows about ahead of time. You say, well, then why does God allow it? Well, we're going to talk about that in the message today as well. Because we think justice and fairness and it should be the way I think it should be because you know you come from your own righteousness right 
this is right, this is wrong. How many of y'all have that sense of morality in your life? Did you know that your morality might not match mine? Now, if it matches Scripture, it matches mine, because mine matches Scripture as best I know how, until I read another chapter that I hadn't read in a while, and God says, hey, you need to get that out of your life, because that doesn't match what I believe. Your speech and your actions and your ways should match what Scripture says, and we're constantly learning from the Word of God. Many believed on the name of Jesus as their promised Messiah. Remember, they were looking for him. They've been looking for the Messiah, and now they said, who can else do these miracles but only God? Yet those in authority perceived Jesus to be a threat to them. Their stuff, and I put the word stuff in there for the kids, and their livelihood. These men said, listen, Rome's going to come take our place. And they, remember, they, they marched, and they loved to say that we're, we hate being oppressed by Rome, but yet they loved getting that government check from Rome. Did y'all know that? Rome was writing the checks. Rome was giving them their authority. They loved the government, even though they repeatedly hated the government. They would say privately, we can't stand being under their, under their thumb. And yet publicly they'd say, or privately they would take the checks. And as long as Rome was writing the checks, they didn't want to lose their checks. They didn't want to lose their rights or responsibilities that they had in the community. Even to the point of killing God's only son. How crazy can people actually be? Well, look, I want you to see things in your notes. Jesus publicly thanked the Father. When he came to the place before he raised Lazarus from the dead, before he spoke to the dead man, he spoke to God the Father. And so many people have struggles with the Father because they don't have a good earthly father, don't know their earthly father. Uh, the earthly father has left them out in the cold, or they had an overbearing earthly father, and some of us, and some of you, had a great earthly father. And so well, I come to understand God by my father, but so many people in our society don't. That's one of the big things that are in society right now, fatherlessness. But Jesus, he comes here and he says publicly, thank you to God the Father. You go back and you'll see seven or more times that Jesus stopped and he said, thank you, Father. I praise you, Father. When he was feeding the 4,000, he stopped and he broke the bread and he prayed. When he was feeding the 5,000, he stopped, he broke and he prayed. When he was at the last supper with his disciples, he thanked God, broke bread and prayed. You can see Jesus constantly actually praying to the Father. And we'll see this right here. Jesus confidently raised Lazarus from the dead for the sake of the people watching and for those who would hear. Did you know that this happened 2,000 years ago or more, a little bit more, and you and I are reading about it today, it's as if we were eyewitnesses to the account. You know that you can go back and read, you can go to the uh, Library of Congress or you can go online even now, a lot of things are online, and you can go find out what history, when, when history happened or what happened that day and things that led up to the day. When I was in the military, they made, made, made me as a 19-year-old a shift supervisor at nighttime during a war, during the Gulf War. Because nobody wanted to stay up all night, so they made me the shift supervisor with another guy in a top-secret environment. And what happened, they would run a teletype 24 hours a day, and it would just burst war strategies from all these different countries, from Vietnam, uh, old stuff that was still, some of it declassified, but some of it still confidential, some of it still secret, and some of it top secret. And I would read it, and I'm like, I, they didn't teach me this in school. And I would just continue to read. While I'm on shift, nothing's happening. They didn't teach me this in school. They didn't teach me this in school. And, and you say, well, how can you be sure it was accurate? Because the very men who were doing my job were the ones who had typed it in the past. Their name was on it, or their co code name was on it, and it was assigned that it actually went to the Pentagon, to the White House, and then they sent it back out in times of war. I learned so much in six-month deployment. I was shocked at actually how much I read and how much I learned. But listen, there's eyewitnesses who said, I heard this or I seen this, and they put it down in writing, and therefore I was educated. Here we see that Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. His disciples said, listen, there's so many more things you don't know that are written in this book. 
But this is true. So it's as if we were eyewitnesses there seeing. Can you see Lazarus come out of the grave with his grave clothes? My question was, does he still stink, right? Because his sister said, Lord, he stinks, right? He's been dead four days. He's starting to decay. He smells bad. And I always wondered when I was a kid, did, did God fix his stink or did he come out stinking and alive? I, I'm not sure. But um, he was a boy, so I'm sure he still had body odor somehow. But I want you to see, look, Lazarus physically came back from the dead. It wasn't just a spiritual resurrection because you're going to read next chapter, we get to next week and the week after, the Pharisees not only planned to kill Jesus, but because Lazarus was a walking miracle in front of a two million plus people, they had to kill Lazarus. So they planned on how to kill him again. He had to die yet again. Did you know that? Lazarus did. He lived. Did he go to heaven when he died? The answer is... If Paul says absent from the body is present with the Lord, where did Lazarus go? In the very presence of God the Father. You imagine being in heaven and having to get called back? You go see the God the Father and God the Son's calling you back to earth? How crazy would that be? Lazarus, come forth. I gotta go back. See you, see y'all, right? He was transported, as you, if you would, back to earth. Lazarus physically came back to death. Don't let somebody tell you this was a spiritual happening, even though it was very spiritual. But he physically come back from the dead. Just like Jesus, when he dies on the cross, he's buried. God physically raises him from the grave. He's physically forevermore Jesus Christ. We'll see him. We'll know him as he's known. You'll see the nail prints in his hands and the nail prints in his, in his feet. And you'll see the, the, the wound in his side. He forever, that's the only thing man made in heaven, by the way. Did you know that is the scars that are on Jesus? Everything else is from God. Well, many of the Jews joyfully believed while their leadership refused to believe in Jesus. Josephus, who was a historian at the time, he wrote and actually said, he said that actually there were some two million plus people coming back into Jerusalem for what? Remember what John does? John jumps from festival, festival to festival. And all the men that were 20 years old and older must come back to Jerusalem to actually for this Passover feast. What was the Passover? If you don't know, you can go back and look at the Exodus 50:20. Exodus 50 and Exodus 12, you go back and look, there was a Passover. Jesus said, listen, when they were freed out of bondage, when they were freed from slavery, the, the Egyptians had them in bondage. And Moses goes down and he says, set my people free, right? Thus set the Lord. And they actually are set free. But before they're set free, God speaks to Moses and tells them to actually make sure that they sacrifice a Passover lamb. And they put the blood over the doorpost, as if you would see the door frames when you walk out. There would be blood when you walked in, and we would stay here the night, eating the lamb, eating bitter herbs, eating the things they did, so that we might be under the blood. Have you ever heard the song, Under the Blood? We don't like to talk about blood anymore. We get so nervous and, and so angst about it. But with, uh, kids love eating number ones at Chick-fil-A, but they don't want to see the process, right? There's nothing like wringing a chicken's neck. It's awful fun if you've ever done it, right? Who's ever done it? Raise your hand. Y'all got really quiet. Who's never done it? Raise your hand. Who's never seen it done? Raise your hand. That can unnerve you, can it? You're like, oh, that makes me sick. Well, what are you eating for lunch today? All vegetables? All right. If not, somebody had to put that animal to death, right? Somebody killed that animal. Well, we don't like to talk about this morning because the blood makes us unnerved, right? But it was, a, it was part of their culture. They understood we're under the blood. And today, when we sing about under the blood, we're not under the blood of an animal. 
Jesus Christ died on the cross. We just celebrated the Easter, his resurrection. We're under the blood of the Passover lamb, the Passover lamb, capital letters, right? Capital J-E-S-U-S. We're under the blood of Jesus Christ. He really did die and suffered and bled and died for us. He really was buried and God really did raise him physically from the dead. That's why we have the truth of the word today. The anointed high priest Caiaphas prophetically declared Jesus' death for the nation of Israel. It is expedient, he said, that one man must die. Because remember, they convened this whole congregation to say, what are we going to do with this guy? We're going to lose our, we're going to lose our riches. We're going to lose our positions. Y'all know anybody like that? Have a supervisor like that? You ever outworked your supervisor? You're doing a better job than they are, they're doing, if they're doing anything? And when you outwork them, what happens? You start to get noticed. And what do they start doing? Giving you an attaboy on the back? Or are they going to actually try to cause diversion? If they're righteous people and they're right people, they will actually help you along the way and even see you rise in the ranks. But if there's something wrong with their heart, what, what would they do? They will quickly see that they actually you're stifled, that you're talked about, that you're rumored about, or something will happen that they will try to put you down. Here's what they did. This is the Son of God. They, they've convened this, if you will, this council. And what are they doing? They're not believing. They believe that happened because they cannot deny the miracle. So they did have belief in that Jesus was a miracle worker. They just did not believe enough that they wanted to trust him as their Lord and Savior. So many of the Jews, when they believe, listen, their leadership refused to believe in Jesus, even though they believed the miracles were from God. But y'all listen to me this morning. This is you and me. They purposed in their hearts to resist and to reject God. Are there people today doing the very same thing? Are there people in your family doing the very same thing? And, and mothers, let me tell you, you say, well, why don't we preach a Mother's Day's message? It makes me feel better. I thought I was coming in for a nice, warm message from church. Well, the bread's going to be warm. The message should be hot, right, when you get out. Because this is the Lord's Day before it's Mother's Day. Amen? And we want to honor you mothers, but we want to honor the Lord Jesus Christ first and foremost. But how many times has a mother said or grandmother said, well, I know he's not living for Christ, but he really is a Christian because he became a Christian when he was a young man. Or she became a Christian when she was a young man. I know she prayed a prayer. And by the way, just praying a prayer does not make you a Christian. No more than actually honking your horn makes you a car. Amen? Honk, honk. Right? You can say all the words you want to say until how do you actually know? We talked about this Wednesday night and teach us how to pray. And by the way, there's only a handful of people who teach us how to pray. Anybody know that we have a class? Look in your bulletin real quick. Open your bulletin. I want to show you real quick. On Wednesday nights, y'all see that, that advertisement there that teaches how to pray? Anybody see it? That's available for everybody that's in the building, plus some. You know how many people come? This many. Why? Because we don't have time to come. We're too busy, Pastor. We're too busy to learn how to pray. You say, well, I know how to pray. Well, Jesus' disciples even asked him, Lord, teach us how to pray. That's where that came from. There's place ministries. Anybody see place ministries in your bulletin? Anybody see vacation Bible school in there? It takes a multitude of people to reach our generation, our community for Christ. Surely to goodness you can construct something. Surely to goodness you can give 5, 10, 15 minutes. Surely to goodness you can take an hour and teach a child who knows nothing about the Bible something about Jesus Christ. But we have to beg, borrow, and trade. Please, 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 please help us in the nursery. Please help us in children's church. Listen, the day's coming. I know the Bible says in the last days the love of many will wax cold. Well, I don't know what to do. Every Sunday we print that bulletin so that you might know what to do. You won't know everything, but you'll know something. And having some knowledge, what do you do? Knowledge requires what? 
with knowledge requires responsibility. My brothers, my sisters, my friends, listen today. What are you doing in church? You might be a guest here today. What are you doing in your church? And I know many of our guests, many of our members are with their mothers today, are traveling, are on vacation. But what are you doing in the local church? You say, well, I'm away to college, or I'm, a, I'm only on temporarily here. Listen, get busy where God's planted you. You imagine those tomato plants and the something looking rough and the corn looking rough going, I don't feel like I'm going to be here today. I'm just going to uproot and I'm going to sit on the sidewalk until a better opportunity comes. What's going to happen to that product, that, that corn or that tomato? It's going to wither and die just like many Baptists have done for so long, just like many, any other denominations have done for so long, just like denominations are splitting over homosexuality, just like they're saying we're, we're for it. We believe you can be homosexual and be an ordained minister or deacon. God forbid. That God forbid, absolutely not. But today we're compromising on every corner because we have no convictions of our own because like these men, we know the truth, but we reject Jesus Christ. We like it our way. We're a Burger King generation having it our way. We want to do it our way. We like it when it's convenient for me. And then when someone else preaches a message like this, you go, ah, how silly. Just an old Baptist preacher preaching that message. This is the word of God. These leaders knew the truth, rejected the truth, and yet they they walked away. So they made a plan. They did not know this. Look at the notes. He did not say this on his own initiative. When you read the Bible, you go, what does that mean? He didn't know this was not from him. He did not say this on his initiative, but being the high priest that year, he was the anointed high priest, by the way. He was unknowingly used by God. Can God use a dipstick? Yes. That's an old dipstick. You know what a dipstick is? It's in your car. Check your oil. Anybody know what that is? Did you ever call anybody a dipstick when you were younger? That's a term of endearment we're from. Don't your friends don't let friends be a dipstick, right? You ever said that? If not, there you go. It's free. No charge. These men, listen, y'all, they had studied so hard. They, had, they were educated. They had served for year after year saying the Messiah is coming. These very men had said the Messiah was coming. And when he comes, he's going to bring the truth and he's going to separate us from Rome. He's going to free us because he's our Messiah, our deliverer. And when he came, they're like, mm, we think we like Rome a little bit better. This dude ain't got any money. He's talking about peace, love, harmony. We want war and strife so we can actually be used and be his counsel. And, and be. We thought he was coming as a as a military a man that was going to lead us out of Rome. And yet, secretly, they loved Rome more than they loved Jesus. Well, Romans 8, 28, God controls evil. He does not create evil, right? We know that all things, right, work together for the good of those who are called according to his name or his purposes. Romans 8, 28, write that in your notes when you get home and read that. Don't use that when someone's going through tough stuff. Right When you're going to find out you have cancer or heart disease, don't go and say, well, Romans 28, God uses all things. He does, but sometimes we just need to be quiet whenever someone's going through a struggle. But God does not, he does not create evil. He controls evil. James 1, you can go back and read for yourself. How are we tempted? The Bible says God never tempts man with evil. James 1, 12 and 13. Well, look at the other part of his prophecy. He announced God's plan to purposely gather together into one body the children of God who have been scattered abroad. Well, that would be the Jews that actually were all over the nations because they came from all the nations, Rome, every other place that was known from Egypt still. They would come back for the Passover, but also the scattered is not just the Jews. Anybody here today a Christian? 
you are a Christian, have been grafted into the Jewish family of Abraham because of Jesus Christ. Jesus was a Jew, right, when he was here on earth. And we've been grafted in through his blood into the family tree of Abraham. That's why with little kids, we sing in vacation Bible school in times. We don't do all the old songs anymore like we used to. Father Abraham had many what? I didn't never, why there were, never knew why there was not daughters. There's not a word in the Hebrew I understand from studying this week for children. It's sons, implied daughters. So we understand that we are the children of God, not because of anything we have done. The Jews are not children of God or anything they have done. It's because we must come the same way. I call it the no exception rule, Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. You ever looked that up? It's for by grace we've been saved through what? Faith. So it's his grace and faith. Not of works, so none of us can actually go and say, I did it myself. But then God flips the coin and says, listen, but you've been saved to do good works that I have written down for you to do. Church, listen, y'all take your, take your workload today and say, God, am I doing anything that you put on my list to do? Now, all of us, you want me to say it at your funeral. I'm doing two funerals this week, and everybody wants to get to the box and have the preacher say, well done, thy good and faithful servant. Don't you? You're a fool if you don't, right? You want it to be true when it's your time in the box to say, well done, you will hear the words, well done, thy good and faithful servant. How many of you think you're actually going to hear it? Do you tell your children, hey, good job. You got all F's on your report card, good job. You didn't clean your room, good job. You didn't do anything I told you to do, good job, kids. That's how parents are parenting today. Many. That's why our society is so crazy like it is. Don't you do it. Okay, don't do it again. Don't do it again. I was getting dog food at Walmart this past week, and a family of about six came in, and kids are just all over the place. Dad's screaming and cussing at the kids. I mean, I literally, y'all, there's an old nature. Y'all understand this, and i got to confess this to you as my brothers and my sisters, right? There's still the old Clint that wars within me. The Bible says, the, read Galatians, the, war, the, the, the flesh, my flesh, wars against the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is constantly saying, do the right thing, do the right thing, do the holy thing, do the right thing. There's not much that can set me off more than a man cussing a kid. And mother snatching the kid around, sit down, she's using curse words with the kids. They're both getting, I'm getting dog food, I'm looking for my, whatever I'm looking for. They're looking for theirs, and I can't stand it. And I said, if he lays a hand on that kid, I'm going to take matters into my own hands. There's, there's no time to call police. There's no time. I mean, it was rough. And, y'all, you know, I physically, my old hands hurt, and I used to fight all the time, but I physically balled my fist up <laughs> in an effort to hit that man on the chin. I was going to see if he's made of glass or stone. Y'all know you got a glass chin or a stone chin, right? You hope for no stones because that hurts your hand, and they're just going to give it back to you. But I was ready to defend that child if that man put his hands on that kid in a very aggressive way because it, it just it ran all over me as a grandpa and as a dad and as the right thing to do. And so they, they got what they needed, went to the other aisle, and I'm still listening, I'm still looking because I can't find what I'm looking for. I find it, and I was going to pick up a chew toy for the dog. I got a puppy. And so I go, that's where they are. And I walk over and I said, hey, I'm the pastor at Town Creek Baptist Church. And I'd like to invite you to church. Seems like you need a little bit of help with your family. Because the Lord convicted me by the time I walked from aisle, whatever it was, to the next aisle, that 
they didn't need a, he didn't need my fist or I didn't need his fist on my chin, right? You imagine reading in the newspaper? Pastor of Town Creek arrested, yeah. Former pastor of Town Creek arrested, right? Uh, he didn't need it and I didn't need it. They need the Lord. So I, by one conviction, if you're not careful, the first response was to take matters in your own hands. But every issue is the Lord's issue. And so I was able to invite them to church. They didn't, haven't seen them yet, but we still opened the invitation. And it's something we have to overcome. Overcome our natural, like these men, to reject Jesus and his ways. Well, the other part of the prophecy announced God's plan to purposely gather together one body, the children of God. If you read Romans 12, it says we're one. First Corinthians 12 says we're one. We've been scattered abroad. And here's the note I put in here. How God chooses to operate is up to him. Is that true? Anybody know what happened last night around Jupiter? Anybody keep up with the news? Y'all haven't heard? Me either. <laughs> but the Lord knows exactly what happened last night, right? Right? Got you, didn't I? We don't know. And what, what happened at Mars? And, and what happened on the surface of the sun? And the answer is, we don't know. We're not worried about that because that's not in my life. But yes, it is. It affects everything we do. Aren't you glad there's a God who's taking care of the sun, the moon, and the stars? Take care of Jupiter. You can go through the whole thing. And listen, aren't you glad that same God says, I personally love you, and I'll take care of your life? Draw yourself to me. Listen, I'm going to pull you here to me. Just respond and receive me. And he's the same God who will take you through all of life. He's a good, good God. All right, from the day of this prophecy, the leadership intentionally sought an opportunity to kill Jesus. This was their plan, intentionally. They were going to do it. And watch what Jesus does. He's such a good man, and he's such a good God. He's such a good leader. Jesus led his disciples to Ephraim to deliberately minister to them before the Passover. He knew the time has come, and yet he deliberately takes his disciples out to the desert, out to a, a place to get away. And Ephraim means fruitful. And you took him to the place, the fruitful place, to get away and let him put instruction to their heart. Sometimes, how many of y'all are just taking time to get away? You've been working overtime after overtime after overtime. Sometimes you just need to take Saturday off. Sometimes you need to take Sunday off and go to the lake with your family and have family church at the lake. Can you believe a Baptist preacher told you to do that? You should. You need time to get away. And I look in the mirror and say, listen, same thing for me, right? I told you I took a, a week of marriage retreat. Me and my wife went to a marriage retreat a couple weeks ago, and then I took a week of vacation right behind them. Never taken two weeks off of my life. Halfway through my second week, my mother calls me and says, why are you not preaching? What's going on? She was a preacher's wife, so she thought I was at another church preaching for a, another church, leaving the church. So I know that's what she thought. But she wanted to know why Mike was preaching, why Adrian was preaching, why I wasn't preaching. I said, because I'm doing what we didn't do right. I'm taking a vacation. That's what I'm doing, right? So sometimes you just got to get away. And it was the most refreshing thing other than the high ropes course in the art class, my wife signed us up for, uh, that I've ever done. That's another story within the story. Let's finish this up. The leadership willfully rejected Jesus to the point of plotting his murder. Those, they hated him. They, they hated him. That's not my proper English there. God used them to fulfill his plans. Though they hated him is what I meant to say. Though they hated him, God used them to fulfill his plan. And here's a note. We may struggle with God and have questions about his methods. Lord, why? You ever been there? Lord, I could have thought 10 different ways you could have done this, but why did you do it this way? Hey, just remember he's in charge of Jupiter, right? The sun, moon, and stars. 
And here's a note. If we view life from God's perspective, our response will be to worship him because he is in charge of all things. If we look at it in proper perspective, God's in charge. This is My life is his life, and I'm going to do it God's way. And what do I get every single time? God's results. That's exactly right. So the question in your bulletin is standing. Is there evidence in your life that you love the Lord Jesus? Not did you pray a prayer when you were in vacation Bible school or Sunday school, but would your neighbors, your friends, your spouse, would they say, man, they love Christ. They, they got busy, and they're not always working at the church. Y'all know that's not the answer. But your gift, your spiritual gift is to be used where? First and foremost. If you remember here, your gift is to be used at 250 Town Creek Road. That's where it starts. And then it goes from here out there to the world. That's how we change the world. The Bible says later the men were accused of turning the world upside down. They were uneducated, ignorant men, yet they knew they had been with Jesus. And the Bible says they turned the world upside down. Same men that's crucifying, getting ready to crucify Jesus. The same men who said that about his disciples. Is it evident that you've been with Jesus? Not just that you know him, because the Pharisees and the chief priests, all those guys knew him, but they didn't live for him. They rejected Jesus. And have you received him and is he your Lord and Savior? Only you know. You and God know. That's, that's it. You can tell me all day long, right? I'm a Christian too. How many times do I hear that? Well, I'm a Christian too. Well, tell me when you became a Christian. Well, Pastor, I was just born into a Christian family. That's how Muslims become Muslims. Did you know that? Become a Muslim because you're actually born into a Muslim family. You become Jewish because you're born into a Jewish family. But you do not become a Christian because you're born into a Christian family. The Bible says you must be born once of your mother, and then you must be born the second time. Jesus said this, John 3, 3, read it for yourself. You must be born again. So my question to you is this. Some people hate when I say it because you've told me. Do you know that you know that you know that you're saved? Because when you know, your knowledge replaces your fear. And listen, we all struggle through. Listen, God, okay, how do I know? And he confirms in your heart. If you're asking the question, here's the good news. If you're asking the question in your heart, that's evidence that God's working in your heart. That's a good, that's a good evidence. If you're afraid of doing the wrong thing, that means God's confirming in your heart. If you just listen properly in, this, in your heart. God's saying, I love you. You belong to me. Don't be fooled. Take it to Scripture. This is what the Scripture says. I'm going to live in the Scripture. Yes or no? I want to tell you, listen, don't get in the way of God's work. And how can you get in the way? You ever play football, sports, block the base, tackle someone running with the ball? That's, that's the job of defense. Satan's always on the defense. We're on the offense today. We're going forward in Jesus' name. Don't get in the way. What if you hike the ball like you know the running back is? The job is to do what? Not run the back, but run the ball, right? Said hike. That's what some of y'all are doing for the Lord. Said hike. Well, somebody else can do it. I'm sure this place is so big. Ain't nothing for me to do, right? Said hike. <laughs> and the Lord's waiting for you to do what you've been equipped to do, and yet you have a bazillion reasons why you can't. I want to challenge you today, wherever church you go to, wherever your church home is, you need to apologize to God and go straight be the path to your chairman of deacons, to your pastor, and say, what can I possibly do for the Lord here? At your church, at your faith family. God's given you one gift for his glory. Don't get in his way by not doing it, and don't get in his way by blocking others from doing it. Let's pray. Father God, as we all look into the word, we know the Pharisees knew the truth, yet they resisted. The disciples knew the truth, and 
they all died for the cause of the faith. Now we know in all of life and all of humanity, every time there's going to be those who receive Jesus Christ and there's going to be those who reject Jesus Christ. But Father, in these days, 